welcome to another episode of Bitches Love Sports. I'm Bitch 2. I'm Bitch 1. And we've got a guest coming on today. Super excited. Yes. To introduce a member and one of the founders of the... <laughs> yeah. The California Derby Galaxy Coalition. <laughs> that's a lot of syllables. It's a, a, a long name. It's a long name. Um, so yeah, even though that took me a second, I, I am very excited. I was just having a conversation with someone over the weekend about the importance of us remembering the mantra for the skater by the skater because I feel like that's necessary in the derby community right now more than ever. I agree. And sometimes when it comes to that by the skater part, people start to get a little bit nervous, you know? Yeah. But the person we're bringing on today, on the flip side, has taken some really bold steps to make sure that there is something available for the skaters and that it's being done by the skaters. And I think that's really important because there's temptation right now to either quit or to find sponsors or owners or somebody who can just basically make the problem go away by bankrolling it, right? Or just the time to go to practice. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently that's a problem for a lot of people now. (laughs) And and it's just weird to me because I'm like, bitch, you used to practice four or five times a week and and now you practice zero and you have no time to practice. And now they're like, oh no, I don't know if I have time. It's like, what yes. are your time? I'm like, yes. I'm I guess like... people have developed new hobbies. I don't know, but that was going to be my my third point. It kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, what we see in some people who kind of want to quit. You know, they feel yeah. like they don't have the, yeah. the time that I guess they used to have, or maybe they never yeah. did, or their priorities have changed. The motivation. So any <clears throat> anytime you see somebody come up with new ideas and help a sport evolve, and that's for any sport, it can be a really good thing. Yes. Because I talk about the trajectory of roller derby as it compares to other sports a lot. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I keep saying is that most sports, after like two or three decades, that's when they really start to restructure and re-examine how they do things and what's best for the participants and what's best for the longevity of that sport. Mm-hmm. Look up the history of any sport. It's happened with every sport. And I feel like this is one of the things that we can look at in the sport of flat track roller derby as a possible structure that a lot of leagues can use to, if not just get them through this time period post-pandemic, it could be a structure that some leagues could use moving forward indefinitely. Oh, oh 100%. 100%. I, I love the idea. I can't wait to get into the conversation. I'm really excited to hear about how it's going. Yeah. I personally don't expect anything to be perfect. Whenever oh, yeah, it first of course. Off. And it's new, so, so it's, like, it's exactly. definitely not going to be perfect. But. So, like, I'm like, all feedback is good feedback because you yes. can use all of it, whether it's, you know, constructive, whether it's, you know, a little bit more positive, a little bit more negative. Yeah. I feel like you can use all of it to decide how can we move forward and what's going to be the best thing as far as, far as keeping this going yeah. and helping everybody stay on the right path. Yeah. I'm excited so, about it. That being said, mm-hmm. let's get into shout outs and call outs before we bring on our guest. So we only have a few today. Seriously, only a few. <laughs> <laughs> First shout out goes to Cheryl Reeve. Today, USA Basketball has named Minnesota Lynx coach and general manager Cheryl Reeve as its women's national team coach. So congratulations, yes. Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl joined USA Basketball in 2014. And she was an assistant coach of the women's USA basketball team for the 2016 and 2020 Olympics, where they won gold both times. And she was an assistant coach for the FIBA Women's Basketball World Cups in 2014 and 18. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's got a lot of experience with the national team. And, you know, we'll see where she goes. In, in her interview, she talked a lot about um, sticking to what's been working. 
which I do think is good for coaches to do, but I also do think it's good for coaches to examine what hasn't been working and being able to make adjustments where necessary. Now, I know that's hard for our women's national team when it comes to basketball, because it's like, well, what hasn't been working? Uh, (laughs) You know, like, they're killing it, you know? So it's gold everywhere they go. (laughs) Right. But, you know, Candace Parker had some words about Gino this past week. Well, I won't even say she had some words. She acknowledged that um, her her lack of participation on the 2016 team had more to do with a personal relationship than her actual skill. In my opinion, that's something that doesn't work. That doesn't oh, work. No. Of course. So I don't know if that'll change. Um, I just felt like throwing that in there since we're on the topic of the women's national team. Um, but it's hard for me to really have an opinion on that because it's really just... Facts, as Candace said, you know, her and Gino just don't have a great relationship. Yeah. They don't like each other. Yeah. She happened to be of the mindset that you don't have to like somebody to work with them, however. And based on what she's saying, it seems that he doesn't feel the same way, according to her. Okay. Ah, well, that's a problem. <laughs> that is a problem. Because I, I I feel the same way. And I've said this before on the, on, on the podcast. Like, I don't like all my teammates. I don't get along with all my teammates on or off the track. But if we're playing, what I practice, whatever whatever it is that we're doing, even if it's a drill, it doesn't matter. Once we're on the track, playing derby, practicing, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Those feelings don't matter anymore. You're my teammate. I'm going to have your back regardless. I'm going to have your six all the time. It doesn't matter. Exactly. With me, it's like, unless it's impacting what's happening on the track. Well, yeah. That's, we're, that's, yeah, right, right, right. If, right. if you decide you can't stand me to the point where you're not going to listen to me if I'm the designated no, QB for a gym. But that's Gino, though. That's what he would be doing. You know, that's probably why she didn't want to play because right. he'd be like a fucking dick. Yeah. So if you're a dick, then that's a different story. Like, I can be a dick, too. I just choose not to because it's for the better of the team. And then on Twitter, it also came up what, like, I guess some people were saying that it, there was so much drama in women's basketball. And I'm just like, let me put this out here. There's drama <laughs> in sports, period. Right. <laughs> like, if what you, do you think we have a podcast? <laughs> if you don't realize that, you don't really watch sports. You don't really watch sports talk shows. So much drama. Oh my God. So I don't even want to dive into all the drama right now. I'm just going to say there is drama in sports, period, regardless of gender. It's there. It is. <laughs> so much of it. Yes. Yes. All right. Next shout out. Um, well, this is more of an update. So the, the thing with Victoria's Secret and Naomi Osaka. So last week when we brought this up on the show, I said that I um, didn't have a lot of information on the details of what she was doing. hmm And I intended to look that up anyway. But then um, some of our listeners had some comments about Victoria's Secret. So I had already started looking into it at the time, but then I wanted to look into it even more just to make sure that the facts that I was throwing out there were accurate. Basically what has happened is Naomi Osaka, shout out to Naomi because we love Naomi and (laughs) she has joined what's being called the VS Collective. The VS Collective was launched in June. It's part of Victoria's Secret's larger growth strategy. So basically, after they decided to sell the business, uh, which includes the Victoria's Secret lingerie brand, their beauty brand, and their pink brand, so all of it, they were going to sell it to a private equity firm, and that deal fell through. Even after that deal fell through, Victoria's Secret officially separated from Bath & Body Works and the larger company, L Brands. So Victoria's Secret is now a standalone firm. If you look at, like, the stock exchange, you know, they've got their own listing there. So they're their own company. Now, that happened in August, and what's happened since then is basically they've been trying to rebrand. 
but they're calling this rebrand an effort to regain market share and win back consumers who have shifted to digital brands. And I feel like that's the part that doesn't sit right with a lot of people. I think there are a lot of people who feel like they wouldn't be making these changes if it weren't for their need to regain market share and get customers back who left for other companies that better represented what they feel a lingerie company should be. Yeah. Or the prices. Prices, yes. Also (laughs) an issue. Like, you know, there was a time, I remember you go into a store like Target or Walmart and everything they had was just janky. Yeah. And now it's not hard to find, you know, cute stuff. stuff, You know. Yes. And like durable. Like it's not just like you're going to wear it two times. You're going to wash it. It's going to like fall apart. Right. (laughs) You know, it's not hard to find cute stuff that's a decent quality at a decent price, even in stores like Walmart, Target, whatever. So they added some senior level hires to the C-suite, including a board made up almost entirely of women. So six out of seven of those people are women. So that's good. Fuck yes. (laughs) They hired plus size model Allie Tate Cutler. Um, They reintroduced their swimwear and they're selling off the Victoria's Secret UK business. And they ended up closing a lot of stores in that process. But, you know, there's a lot of positive changes in there. But... Like I said, I think what's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way is how it's being presented. One example of this is a quote that I found from one of their marketing executives. And this particular quote is from Martha Pease, who's the chief marketing officer. And she said this, listen to this. Based on what women told us, talking to women over the last year and a half, even more to understand where we had gotten off track as a brand and how we need to show up for women going forward is that they want us to change. The answers we got back had to do with representing a diverse way of thinking and relating to women and showing more types of women so that all types of women could see themselves in the brand. I think the challenge for us is is actually delivering on it. By making this very public statement that we are committed to the transformation and we're committed to showing up for women means we have to do it. And I read that and I was like, (laughs) well, bitch, don't feel obligated. I mean, (laughs) I was like, oh, well, now that we've said it, we got to do it. And then she we're said, committed, we're committed to show representation. That's literally what that <laughs> quote said. And then she said, you know, based on the answers we've got in the last year and a half, and I'm just like, wait, y'all just figured out in the last year and a half know. that a lot of women don't feel represented we're by your saying, brand? We've been saying this for how many years? So long. <laughs> I, I would have felt better had she said something maybe along the lines of, well, you know, women have been asking for these types of changes for a long time. And now that I'm in a position to do something about it, I'm dedicated to making a change, you know, you know, and I would have been like, you know what? She knew to this position. I'm going to give her a chance. Yes. But she was like, oh, we just figured out in the last year and a half that that women want this type of change. And well, now that we said we're going to do it, we have to. Now that we said it, we have to. And I'm like, learn this in the last year and a half yeah that means the people because it's like even your circle is just the same as you which is fucking for years the models themselves have been talking about how unrealistic the standards are yes so i'm just like who are you hanging with because we know at the end of the day the people who are who are in your ear the most are going to influence your decisions Mm -hmm. so you can do this little survey and get your answers for a year and a half you know because that's what it took apparently but at the end of the day, it's like, if you don't have people around you reinforcing this message, it's right. going to go by the wayside right. anyway. Right, right. It doesn't, it, so, it, you're not going to ever like get to it. 
because right. it's never going to be presented to you. So on one hand, I'm like, Victoria's Secret, good job finding people like Naomi Osaka who can help you with the execution of this, but you still need to work on your messaging. Yeah, in order the for delivery like of the, the, that quote is terrible. Like, like it makes you look terrible. If I do support this BS collective at all, it will literally be because I love Naomi. Yes, I, feel like, I feel like she's going to make some dope shit. And maybe that's all they care about, you know? Probably. But I'm just like, as far as like this market share that you're trying to regain, trust me, I get it. A business is a business. Revenue is revenue. Profit is profit. Okay, so I'm not mad at you for wanting to regain market share. No. I'm but, just like, bruh. do you really feel like this is the best approach? This is really the best no. you could do? The fact that you thought these were appropriate quotes to put out in the media, like, gives me little hope for what's actually going to come out of this collective. If that was so, the best quote. So because, you know, they've made some changes on the board, it sounds like they're trying to make some philosophical changes. And this article was from, I think, like, June. So who knows? Mark the P's might not be around anymore. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm gonna give it a chance. I wanna see what they do. I don't like June sounds like a long time ago, but in business time, oh, that's in nothing. execution time, it's that's like nothing. nothing. So you just had a meeting yesterday. We'll that's see. What it means. I'm gonna give you a chance. But if you're listening, Victoria's Secret, I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> this right here ain't it. Ain't it. Talking yeah. about now that we've said it out loud, we have to. No. You don't have to do shit. <laughs> like, no, it's like you nobody know. is sitting on pins and needles waiting for you to do this, which is even more reason why your execution needs to be rock solid because nobody's waiting for this. Like the people that you're trying to win back, they've moved on to different brands. And they've right? been on it for a long time. They just so, not like left you. Yeah, so they're not waiting for you. You've got to convince them. To get back. And this is mm -hmm. not going to convince no. them. It's, it's not, not going to convince us. We're going to go for Naomi. But right. that's it. Like we're not, it's just, that's yeah. it. So if that's your goal, like no. Reconsider, oh reconsider. My gosh. <laughs> Call me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Representation matters. <laughs> it does. Next shout out goes to Steph Curry. All right. Who is, is calm now? <laughs> As he comes down. He's calm down. He's no longer angry about the technical foul. But um, he is 16 three-pointers away from breaking the all-time record of most career three-pointers in NBA history. Oh, And his career that? isn't anywhere near over, so by the time his oh, career is over, oh, this yeah. record might be damn sure. unbreakable. For sure. Because right now, the record is held by Ray Allen, who made uh, 2,973 three-pointers in 1,300 games. Steph Curry is at 2,958 after only 758 games. So, and this this is even considering the fact that he had a season where he only played five games due to injury. So it's like, if he's right. it's, it's like whoever wants to break this record after that, it's Gosh. a fucking wrap. Three more seasons is over. It's right. over. So in my book, he's already the one to beat just oh, because of yeah. the pace in which he's playing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and people are trying to predict which game is he going to break the record. So right now he's averaging 5.5 feet per game, but his career high is 11. Now, we've never seen him hit 16 in one game, so it probably won't happen tonight, which is their next game. Their, their next game is tonight against Portland. Would that, they, when do they play the Suns again? That would be I was gonna. It's going to be wild. They'll, they'll, he'll definitely break the record before they play the Suns again. So their next game is tonight against the Trailblazers. Uh -huh. It's um, at 9 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. So if you're if you're watching this or listening to this, it 
it's it will over. already be over. <laughs> um, their next game after tonight is in Philly against the 76ers on ABC at 7.30. Then they'll be in Indiana against the Pacers on Monday at 6. And then they'll be at the Knicks on Tuesday at 6.30 on TNT. That's what I think. Yes, I hope it is against the Nets. I hope so. So, so I'll, be, I'll be watching them play the Knicks on Tuesday mm. at 6.30 on TNT. Okay. Well, I'm probably going to watch all these games. Except I, I know you are. Except the one <laughs> against the Pacers because it won't be broadcast. But I'm going to watch the other. All right. All right. The last shout out goes to Serena Williams. Mm. Um, shout out, positive vibes, all that good stuff. She is not participating in the Australian Open because she is following the advice of her medical team. And the reason why this is still a shout out instead of being sad about it is because I think she'll come back. Um, so just just a quick history of what's been going on with Serena. Um, since retiring from her opening round match at Wimbledon due to a hamstring injury, mm-hmm. Williams has not made an appearance on the WTA tour. And yeah. so her rank has dropped down to 41. Whatever, um, she's been the goat for a long time. Right? It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Um, she's still a badass bitch. I don't care what anybody says. Me either. <laughs> what, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> anyway, um, for a long time, people were looking forward to her breaking Margaret Court's record for Grand Slam singles titles. So Court won 24 singles titles, and Serena currently sits at 23. Well, she's been sitting there for a little while. And so many people are speculating that she's on her way out. However, the reason why I believe there's a possibility of her coming back is based on my understanding of what rest can do to the body. Because we have to think, she's been competing almost nonstop, right? Now, when she won the Australian Open in 2017, she was already eight weeks pregnant. Oh, well, okay, she She was pregnant, okay. Yeah, she was already eight weeks pregnant. No, but then she, she continued training um, through her, like during her pregnancy, uh-huh. like into the third trimester, I believe. Uh-huh. Then she gave birth. That was a that was a traumatic situation. Yes. Um, she, and then she came back like. Yeah, she gave birth <laughs> during under traumatic and nearly fatal circumstances. Mm-hmm. Had to have a C-section, and then she had to have another surgery again after her C-section wound opened, and they found a large hematoma in her abdomen. And still, with all of that, she still came back eight months after the birth of her daughter. Only eight months. That is not a long time. It sounds like no one they cut your fucking muscles open in half, and then they have to reopen it again. Exactly. Like considering the amount of recovery time she would have needed, that is not a long time. Like when I had my fibroids removed, which I can confidently say is nowhere near as traumatic as a C-section. Yeah. Much less basically two. It still was really fucking tough. Though. Yeah. It, it took weeks for me to even feel comfortable standing up for a yes. long time, much less running and doing lateral yeah. movement. Going lifting. for a walk. Easy. And so like, <laughs> what she went through, like literally I cannot imagine what it would take to come back that fast. Yeah. But she did it anyway. So I say all that to say, she hasn't really had a lot of time to rest. Like considering how much recovery time she would have needed and the work that goes into being an athlete on an elite level and then the amount of preparation it takes. Yeah. I support her medical team and being honest with her and being like, hey, you need to take a break because yeah. even since since all that, she's been dealing with some hamstring stuff and it might even be related to her coming back too fast. Yeah. Because everything comes back to core control and proper muscle engagement. And so even though it took a long time for these issues to show up, it could very possibly be related. It oh, could really right, be that she needs right. more time off 
she needs to, you know, regain some functional strength in order to come back 100%. But I know women who are 42, 43, and have come back to our sport. Now, of course- Six weeks after! Right. Now, this sport is like track derby, it's like easier to come back. We don't have sponsors who are like, well, if you don't hurry up and come back, we're not gonna pay you. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's one thing that I do like about our structure right now. It allows women to actually uh, see their, their full potential yeah. and take their time yeah. and participate as life allows as opposed to feeling a sense of urgency to come back despite their level of health. Yeah. So I do like that, but I do believe Serena can come back. She's a competitor. Oh yeah. I'm reading a book right now that talks about uh, leaders of leaders. Oh. And one of the things it mentions is that um, is that people who are leaders, people who perform at the highest levels have a tendency to be um, somewhat impulsive when it comes to ideas. They don't, they don't turn down an idea. So it's like, if they have a thought that something is, it's a good idea and there's a path to do it, like we will fucking sprint down that path. And I know this is probably so surprising to you, Noah. I know you're probably like, oh my God, I never would have guessed this. But- I've never never seen you do it. (laughs) Never, that is totally not. Mostly this last year. You have no sprint at all. You do any path. (laughs) But yeah. And so I think that's part of the reason why she probably came back with me. She was like, because I can't. Yeah, right, right, And right. so now she's like getting the encouragement to slow down a little bit. So right. I, I respect that. So speaking of women in sports, we are going to welcome the guests that we mentioned earlier that we are so excited to have yeah. on the show today. <laughs> we are welcoming Tifa Noxhard. And that is a Final Fantasy reference. Okay. And <laughs> she also goes by TKO. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, but they went like. <laughs> yeah, she also goes by TKO or not. <laughs> okay. She started Derby in summer of 2010 with the New Jersey Hellraisers, which nice. um, no longer exists, unfortunately. But she eventually <clears throat> transferred to Garden State Roller Derby for a few years, then moved to California and skated with Bay Area Derby, Ooh, the legendary Bay Jessica. Area Derby, for two years um, before transferring to Santa Cruz Roller Derby. Ooh. Um, she also skates for Team California, awesome, and is uh, a captain of Jewish Roller Derby. Nice! Dang, <laughs> you're very involved. I love it. I love it. I love it. So we're going to talk to her today about CDG, which is the California Derby Galaxy, which mm-hmm. also goes by The Coalition. The Coalition. And it was actually her original idea. So oh, we're going nice. to ask this yes, straight on this course. Yes, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> so I asked her if she was like a founder, a leader, and she was like, you can call me the instigator. So I'm all like, right, I did right. it, I did yes, it. Yes, yes, um, I love this. Currently serves as the BOD president for CDG and other current derby roles include membership director for Santa Cruz and WTA, W. Why can't I talk today? It's, you know. WF maybe, maybe it's the general. New, maybe it's the new soda that we put. Maybe it is. Shout out to Dr. Pepper Cream Soda. Hey. Um, she is a WFTDA general BOD member. That's a okay. lot of letters also. <laughs> that is. So, everybody, welcome not to the podcast. Hey, I think your your tripping over your words is definitely just contagious jet lag for me because I just came back from Ireland. So I will also probably have lots of like tripping and linguistic adventures today. Perfect. Perfect. We're all on the same page. How is is Ireland? 
Um, beautiful, very cold, um, but gorgeous. Uh, rained a little bit every day, so very much the Ireland you imagine in your mind of lots of greenery and just a little bit of haze every day, but really nice. It was a good place to go during COVID because you do a lot of things outdoors. Um, so we did a lot of hiking and just like checking out the scenery and stuff. That's cool. The only two places that's cold and rainy and hiking definitely would not be me. It was really fun. <laughs> Before we dive into CDG, I actually want to ask you about your your derby name. Yeah, um, totally. Which is inspired by Tifa Lockhart for anybody who's listening and is not into gaming. So do you find that you have characteristics in common with the Tifa from Final Fantasy? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think everyone kind of goes through this like naming journey when you join Derby. Um, so my younger brother actually helped me pick out the name. I've always loved the Final Fantasy just entire I guess, library of games. Um, and Tifa is just kind of this awesome character where a lot of the, a lot of the characters in Final Fantasy are, are magical, right? They have these fantastical abilities. They can cast spells. And Tifa is just like this badass bitch who punches people. And it's kind of awesome that she doesn't take any shit from anybody. And she's just like the kind of person you like want on your team. So I was like, that's the kind of skater I want to be like joining Derby. Um, and my number is 9999, which is the highest amount of damage that you can like deal in the game. So my brother that's also awesome. came up with that. So shout out to him. I, I dig it. I dig yeah. it. That's amazing. That's awesome. All right. So now let's talk a little bit about CDG. I'm really curious how you came up with this idea, like if it was inspired by other sports or if it's something where you just saw a need or actually multiple needs and put this plan together as a way to meet those needs. Yeah, um, I guess a little bit of everything. So as far as just my athletic background, I know you covered my derby experience, but I've played organized sports, particularly team sports since I was a kid. Um, growing up in central New Jersey, like a lot of young girls play soccer. It's kind of like the popular thing to do. Um, so I played soccer at, throughout my entire youth up until I blew my ACL in high school. Um, and then I played, yeah, I know. And then I played volleyball through high school, through the ACL injury, um, had a reconstruction and then played volleyball through college at the D3 level as well. So I've played like a lot of um, women, women or female focused organized sports throughout my life. Um, and one of the things that always really kind of blew my mind about Derby was the, the challenge that we have organizing games and competitions. Um, so I kind of drew a little bit of inspiration from what you tend to see in like high school and collegiate sports, where you have a conference or a division and you play a bunch of folks in that division. And then if you do well, you move to a divisional championship. And then if you do well, you move up to a state championship. And then if you do well, you move up to a national championship. So there's a lot of inspirations from that in this model. Um, additionally, actually in, in the New Jersey roller derby sort of scene, um, they had this really great program back when I was out there that I had nothing to do with, so I cannot take any credit for it. Um, but they had all of the local teams that were either B teams of highly ranked teams or A teams of like maybe division three level teams. And they would play each other like as their schedule for the year because B teams always had a really hard time getting getting opponents to play. Terrible so they set up, yeah. So they set up basically a tournament and they're like, hey, why don't we just make sure everybody has people to play and you can still play other games and do whatever else you want with your time, but you know now you have people to always play. So yeah. kind of a little bit from both of those um, is what inspired me. And then there's three other folks as well who are part of sort of this original authoring group. Um, one of them is just really into sports of all kinds. So she brought a lot of inspiration as well um, from, from lots of different sports that I wasn't super familiar with. 
Awesome. Yeah, now, for, for our listeners, just to make sure that everybody has an idea of like what we're referring to, I just want to give a quick breakdown of what exactly CDG is. Now, in the information that we have, there are 12 member leagues, right? So we invited 12. Seven joined. And seven. we have 10 participating teams from those leagues. So some of the leagues are large enough. They have two teams that will compete in the season. Okay, so we're, we're at seven <laughs> leagues right now. So it's a coalition of those seven leagues. And um, one of the major goals is to share resources like coaching, officiating. And then as you just discussed with the scheduling games, you're going to schedule games against, well, where these teams can play against each other, as opposed to having leagues organize their own games where there's sometimes a conflict or officials have to choose between officiating one game versus another because they're on the same day. Also with attendance for people who play Derby and are fans of Derby, it's really hard to skate in about and then also watch your friends who are in a different part of the state yeah. also play. And of course, especially in this time, it's so important that we support each other. And so I'm going to read a little bit of the vision statement here from the handbook. Is that okay? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, gonna... go for it. For sure. So the vision says to reimagine the Greater Bay Greater Bay Area Roller Derby community into a model that is both sustainable in the long term, as well as enjoyable for participants at all levels of both skill and engagement. This larger vision will be expressed by pooling the Greater Bay Area talent into a combined, more competitive with the charter team, while simultaneously organizing local teams into a recreational season that would benefit all leagues and increase fan engagement. It will also include a broader and more collaborative association of officiating, coaching, and other volunteer staffing to produce more resources to these groups or to provide more resources to these groups while also reducing logistical load on all individual leagues and functional groups. And then I'll just read a little part of the background. It says, in recent years, interest in roller derby in the, in the general community has been declining. Both the external public interest has trended downward and leagues themselves have fractured and split, resulting in the roller derby community reducing in overall size with nearby leagues competing against each other for resources. Due to this division of local leagues, right level nearby competition has become inconsistent at best, with leagues having to struggle to build schedules that satisfy their skaters and officiating staff. The pool of talent on all levels, skater, officiating, coaching, volunteering has also been diluted. And with the impact of COVID-19, roller derby on the whole needs to rethink its approach and find ways to consolidate both workload and talent to create more opportunities while, while reducing overhead. Now, that was just the beginning of a, a very um, long document, the handbook that you created. So y'all did this on a really official level. And in that background, you talked about being impacted by COVID. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds like, though, you were thinking about this before COVID even happened. Is that right? Yeah, I think in a weird way, COVID made space for something like this for a lot of folks that maybe wouldn't have considered it otherwise. Um, we sort of say it really nicely in the handbook. But one of the things that I've just experienced throughout my 11 years of roller derby um, <laughs> is people are very protective of everything about what they build in their individual leagues, right? Yes, it's, yes. It's, we're so fiercely exclusive with anything and everything. And it, it makes it so hard for our sport to grow at a larger level. So I, I've, yes. I've thought about that a lot, um, particularly as I've skated in two different leagues in New Jersey, now two different leagues in California, right? Like nothing specific about those individual leagues, but no one shares Right. Yeah. And we all complain about it. And we all every league has almost identical challenges. Right. It's so hard to keep volunteers around. No one ever wants to coach. 
man, it's so hard to get our marketing done because you know no one has the skills or the budget. Um, scheduling games is so challenging. It's like a negotiation with everyone. Like, do you want to play? Is it going to hurt your ranking? How do we make this happen? Right. Like, so, do you have your venues the same day as yeah. my venue? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. All of it, right? So it's just hearing that over and over and over for like, I guess, nine years before COVID started, it just kind of wears on you, right? It gets stuck in your brain. Like this. Echo, like, yeah. Right? yeah. So I, I kind of just had thought about it a little bit. And then as we kind of were all sitting around in this, um, this required off season, right, which was definitely important and necessary. And the yes. pandemic is a very serious topic. But it, it did in some ways, kind of force the topic of how do we stay alive for some leagues that traditionally had been um, less inclined to collaborate with each other, where the where those those almost historic or legacy like blood wars like were just so strong. We're like, oh well, that league started because eight years ago their founder and our founder had a huge fight. <laughs> yes, oh my God. like like the Capulets and the Montagues. We cannot we cannot fall in love. Like it's just like it's it's so funny to like laugh about, but it's also like the reality that so many of our skaters live in. Where you're like, it's funny. Yeah. Like it's so ridiculous when you say it, but it's so real. And then it makes these, these wild problems. Like we're talking about where officials can't officiate because you plan your battle on the same day. So your officials have to officiate your games or like no one plays that team because, you know, seven years ago, something cruddy happened and that person hasn't skated in five years, but we still don't talk to them and no one knows why. So it kind of just allowed folks to take a step back and say, you know, we have eight members. We're, we're not going to make it if something doesn't change. And from those eight members, maybe one still had the energy to do leadership work. So we kind of were able to open up a conversation that maybe wouldn't have been possible three years ago because people were so hyper-focused on that, that exclusive nature that we all are kind of used to. And I think a lot of us kind of just have come into it at different times and just accepted it as the norm and never really challenged it, even though we are in a sport that that is so revolutionary on so many levels. A lot of times we're pushing the boundaries in other ways. We kind of forget to challenge some of those foundational concepts too. So yeah, I don't know. It's I kind know. of like a little yes, soapbox. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't think I would have. Yes. Great. <laughs> no, everything you said is spot on. Yes. And, and I see it all the time. It's something that she and I talk about a lot. A lot. <laughs> um, and you're right. It is something that has been impacting the sport before, since before COVID, you know, and I think COVID does give us that opportunity to reexamine how we do a lot of things because yeah. people are forced to start over. Like whether it's because you've taken so much time that, you know, the, the league is on hiatus or people, because there are fewer bouts, just have the time to think about these things. Or you've had people that retire and you literally yeah. need to put new people in leadership and it brings right. new ideas. There's just all sorts of opportunities for people to rethink how they're going about things, both as skaters themselves and within their leagues and how these leagues relate to one another in one uh, geographic area. So um, one of the things that I was actually talking about with someone over the weekend is the importance of the for the skater by the skater mantra uh, during this time period, because 
It's basically like ain't nobody gonna do it for you. You don't do it. Ain't nobody gonna do it. Other adult sports, there is some entity, whether it's a a pro sport where you have owners who are like, this is how it's gonna go, or even just other adult recreational leagues where people like pay in a lot of money, but at the end of the day, you have the coaches, you have the managers who determine how it's gonna go. There's somebody who's going to make make sure something happens. Right, right, right. right. But in this situation, it is literally up to us. Like in, in our interview with Electra Blue. Um, who's the, I don't know if everybody knows these names. Um, Electra Blue is the woman who um, made the original dimensions for the black child. And one of the things that I talked about with her was that, you know, some people, you know, feel about, feel a way about the WFTDA right now. And I'm like, if you're a member of a WFTDA league, then that means you have the opportunity to do something about the direction of the WFTDA. Because at the end of the day, it's still a democratic organization. So it's like, you got to give feedback. You got to go in the forums. You got to send the emails if you want to see something go a certain way, if you want to see something change. Because since it's for the skater, by the skater, if the WFTDA fails, it's not like, oh, they failed. It's not, we failed. (laughs) The skaters failed. It's a collective failure. (laughs) Yeah, I think my favorite meme about the WFTDA over COVID has been that it's an MLM and that the board is making money. And I'm like, I am certainly not getting a paycheck. So someone tell me where this secret MLM is. But no, I, I totally agree. I think it's, and I understand where it comes from, right? There's there's sort of this bystander effect, right? Where yes. when there's folks that are leading for a long time and there's folks that are loud, sometimes you don't feel like you have to speak up because everything's kind of going fine, right? It's the same sort of thing where we're talking about, all right, well, you're focused on something else because the foundation feels okay. Like maybe you never thought to examine it before. And now all of a sudden we all have this time to reflect and we're like, you know, the WFTDA could do a lot of things better. Like, I I believe that that's true. Um, And Laura, I totally agree with you. Like if, if membership doesn't share what they want, then leadership just has to guess. And that's not great for anybody. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> so with CDG, you mentioned that uh, seven leagues ended up joining. So yeah. how are things going right now? I think most of the information that we got, especially the video of your presentation, that was from back in April. So y'all have been working yeah. on almost all year. Oh, yeah. So where are you right now? Yeah. So we're actually, I I hesitate to, I hesitate because I'm like afraid to say something optimistic with COVID still being as troublesome and, and dangerous as it is. But we're in a good place. Um, we just released our spring 2022 bouting schedule, which is oh, great. Yes, that's exciting. Yeah. So we have, yeah, we have eight events of regular season play. Um, all are either double or triple headers with all teams that are participating from these seven leagues. And then we have an end of season date where all the teams are going to put all 10 teams are going to come together and play a full day tournament together. We're going to have two spaces um, at the Solano County Fairgrounds in Northern, in Northern California. And they're super excited to have us. They're like, can we like advertise on our road? Like, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's the most incredible thing because each of the leagues that's participating brings something else to the table. Like right. the league that is bringing that space is not even a WFTDA league. They play WFTDA roller derby, but they're a USARS league. But they're like, we want to play. And we're like, you know what? You can, yes. because that's what we're doing. Yes. We're I love it. <laughs> yeah. So we have two leagues like that, actually, that are that are USARS leagues. Um, so what, what's it's just amazing. Um, we have some leagues that have more money. We have some leagues that have more members so they can provide more volunteers for events. We have some right. leagues that 
have a larger officiating community that's helping to train this one league who has one official who's brand new, who doesn't have any support at her own league. Right. So it's really just kind of amazing to see the the things that we can do when we bring all of the resources together, even just from like about production and scheduling capacity. So you asked kind of how we're doing. We have the schedule set, which is amazing and really new. Um, since, I guess this is our, so every week our um, our charter has been practicing. So what we're doing for this year and the beginning of next year is any any member in good standing from any of the leagues can sign up to participate in these higher level charter practices. So there's no tryouts until February of next year. So anyone that wants to come, every week there's a practice that's coached by um, two skaters and an off-skates coach. And um, Cassie Beck, um, who is a member at Rose City and um, also a member of Team USA, is writing practice plans for us. And what we do is every week we execute one of these practice plans with all of these skaters. And then that practice plan gets shared with every single league at the coalition. So any league can run the same practice as well. Oh, nice. So we're sharing all these resources. Um, we're also recording um, skills and training videos that go along with those practices. So, so you're not giving a secret? No, not at all. It's, it's totally <laughs> it's such a weird thing. thing for me in my, mm -hmm. in my derby career. Like, oh, don't tell anybody we're doing this trail. Like oh, they yeah. can no, it. They can, like, figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> it's a totally different world. Like, I'm sure once we start coming up with, like, plays and names for the plays, like, those will stay a little bit more quiet. But the skills and the way you execute a movement is something we should share if we all want Derby to get better. Yes. So that's the mentality of this charter team. And that's why we're doing these open practices. So up until the tryout, anyone that wants to come, they just have to let us know that they're coming um, and then they can attend. There are some leagues that have certain um, like COVID restrictions. So you have to abide by the hosting leagues requirements um, because the way we practice is every week we go to one of the host, one of the um, coalition leagues practices and we co-practice with them. So we also teach their local skaters, the skills that we're teaching the advanced skaters who are visiting as well. Um, so yeah, I like it. It's really awesome. <laughs> Because one of the things that really helps the sport grow is by being able to put a good product in front of potential fans. And mm -hmm. so the higher the skill level of any skater, the better it is for the sport as a whole. I, I totally support that. As much sharing of information and coaching and skills as possible. It's, it's good for everybody, regardless of what level you ultimately want to play at. Because that depends on a lot of things besides just skill level, right? Right. Um, but I, I just think that's a wonderful thing for everybody. Now, when we're talking about these seven leagues and, you know, rotating yeah. the practice, what kind of distance are we looking at, you know, from- It's a great question. Yeah, so from league to league, um, our northernmost league is in Sonoma County. So they're they're quite far up. They're kind of wine country in California, if you think about the northern area of wine country. And then our southernmost league is actually Santa Cruz, which is my league. Um, and they're down in the Santa Cruz boardwalk area. Yeah. So if you were to drive like tip to tail, it's probably about three hours. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, I'm already making like, the map in Texas. Yeah, so in some ways, um, so Sonoma County actually lost their practice facility during COVID-19. Mm. Um, so in some ways that helps the driving burden a little bit because there's not the northernmost league that folks are driving to, but it hurts in that Sonoma folks are less likely to participate in this shared right. charter because to drive it's so hard. Practice. Yeah, yeah. So for future years, like after 2022, we imagine that if this, if this program is successful and continues to grow, we might split into two charters someday and maybe include some more of the northern, like farther North leagues 
and some farther south leagues if they're interested and then have two competitive charters, maybe, um, just because of the distance, not because folks are not interested in skating together. Um, traffic yeah. is real out in the Bay. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we do have one skater that is coming to the open practices that's commuting from um, Santa Rosa, which is pretty far. Um, I think the closest drive for her is like an hour and 10 minutes. So she's like really like, tr- like trucking it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, um, what we try to do with the schedule is rotate the locations too. So it's like, if there's a Southern-ish practice, then the next one is maybe a Northern-ish practice or a more central practice. And so that way it's not kind of three weeks in a row, everyone from the South is all going to the North and right. you know, vice versa. But yeah, it's hard. It's not ideal. That was one of the biggest um, sort of stumbling blocks for folks when we were talking about this idea was how are folks going to commute to practice? How is how is yeah. that going to work? It's going to be too much. Um we're, we're committed to only having one practice per week with this team, which is also like a mind-blowing concept for some folks. They're like, how are you going to have a competitive charter and only practice once a week? And it's like, well, you do skills practice with your with your league and you hang out with them and you share your skills and everything that you're learning and your knowledge and you bond with your teammates and you probably play on a team with them for the local league schedule. And then once per week, and we've been doing it on Sundays because almost every single one of our leagues happens to have a Sunday practice. On Sundays, you go to your charter practice and you travel around and you get to skate with those folks and some people double skate on those days if they can make it to their own practice if they want to um some don't but it's um so it's, it's really open nice. for everybody in the coalition to make that Sunday practice yeah yeah and um even once we have the tryouts in February um every league in the coalition um every month will have one open practice where anybody can attend whether they're on the charter or not Okay. So, uh, and we'll do that for scrimmages too. So we actually had an awesome scrimmage. Um, the only one I've been to since, gosh, uh, February, 2020. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was just cool. It was all positional just to kind of see everybody and kind of get, get a little bit of your wheels back into you get official skating again. Um, but it was nice to just kind of see everybody's faces, you know? So when you start the charter, how are you going to do the practice? Are you going to do the same thing just every Sunday somewhere? Yeah. Yeah, so what we're hoping to do is have the once-a-week Sundays be like the the team practice day um, Mm -hmm. where folks will kind of do that rotating practice. And then um, as opposed to having a second practice where folks have to come to, what we're going to ask is that folks maybe spend 30 minutes every week working on a particular basic skill somewhere near their home. So if you have a tennis court or a garage or in your kitchen, like whatever works for you, spend 30 minutes working on your narrow hockey stops on the right side. And then if you have right. questions, like post it in our, we have, um, we're using Discord for communication across the coalition for the leadership group and for the folks skating on the charter right now. And it's been really nice. Um, folks have been really collaborative and um, just asking questions like, hey, how do you do this drill? Um, or, hey, like, I'm trying to teach this to my home league and I don't really remember what we talked about. Can someone describe it or shoot me a video or something like that? Um, so it's, it's going to be, I think, I, I, I believe it will be very successful. Will we overtake VRDL in 2022? No, certainly not. But um, I think it's a hey, model. Hey, like you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Somehow. Um, but no, I think, it's, I think it's also a model that gives people the ability to live their lives and play competitive roller derby as well. I think that's yes. one of the challenges too. Yeah. Yes. Which is what we really need right now. Yes. Now I'm curious for the leagues that decided not to join the coalition. What was their pushback? Yeah. Um. Different things. Um. One of the leagues was just not sure they were going to survive COVID, so they're like, we just don't know. Like things are too tumultuous for us right now. Like 
we're very interested in this concept, but we need to see if we even make it. So we'll get back to you probably in the second year if, if we make it that long. Um, another one of the leagues, they were the most Southern league we invited. They were just like, it's too far. We don't, we don't see how it would work. Maybe if it works out, like we would think about doing it later, but it's not a risk we can take right now. Um, and the other two leagues just said it wasn't for them and we didn't really push them. We're like, you know, this is not the kind of thing where we want to like, yeah, it's not by the yeah. yeah, I don't want to be like, you must join. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, it would be great if like more folks, if this was successful and more folks decided to join, because then we could have even more officials and more exciting events and just more. Um, seven, more leagues, um, seven leagues is great. Like You were shocked. I was honestly shocked. <laughs> <laughs> it was like such a weird, humbling experience. Like I sent. I remember because I wrote the email when I first was inviting people to that like pitch presentation and I remember writing it and like reading it over and reading it over and reading it over before I sent it because I was like okay like I'm representing this whole thing like what's this gonna look like and then people just started RSVPing that they were coming and I was like people are coming very prepared for that meeting though to be honest like you had answers for all the questions because i was thinking of i was listening to it i couldn't really watch what i was listening to it yeah, yeah. and i'm like oh damn like she she on like she's on it like, <laughs> she like she thought about every every uh, like angle and and subject and and everything so we tried yeah, like, yeah we tried really um, yeah, and that meeting was super humbling for all four of the folks that wrote it as well, because I think there were like over 30 folks that came to it. Like there were 12 yeah, leagues represented, but like 30 people. And we were not expecting that at all. So we're like, we had this like cute little like getting to know you interactivity. And all of a sudden it was like 30 minutes of the interactivity. We were like, oh gosh, like <laughs> their name and where they're from and what their pronouns are. Um, but, but yeah, I... I'm honestly, every time I think about it or every time someone said, I got an email today from um, a skater out in Iowa that was like, hey, can you talk to me about how you did this? Because I think it would really change the game for us here. And it just, it's one of those things where you're like, we, this is, wasn't even a thing a year ago and definitely couldn't have gotten to this point without all of the people that have contributed and, and all of the folks. Um, we actually, we meet bi-weekly with league leadership from every single of the participating leagues. And everyone has just worked so hard, like that handbook that you're reading out of. Everyone wrote and drafted and debated like all of the language for literally up until this month, every other week we met since since May with this whole group. Wow. So it's it's been a lot of work, a labor of love by a lot of people. That's amazing. That's yes. So now I well, before I get into my next question, I just want to say that I think it's awesome that you have this public folder that's available, which um, we're going to share the link to yeah. uh, since it is public. So in on our Instagram page, there is a link in our bio. And if you click on that, there's links to a lot of stuff. And then we have links the link to cool ass documents mm -hmm. at the bottom. And so we're going to put it in there. So if you're watching or listening, if you go in there, you'll see the public CDGC folder. And there's so much information in there. There's a PowerPoint. There's a video of the PowerPoint presentation. There's a handbook. There's FAQs. There's all kinds of stuff that you can use to decide if this would be a good idea for the leagues in your area. So you can see kind of how the idea was developed um, and find out <laughs> some of the nitty gritty details behind it that might be useful 
if you want to have the same conversation with other league leaders in your area. So that's going to be there. We'll also tweet it out. We'll share it on Facebook. We're going to put it in as many places as possible so that yeah. people know that it is. It's important that people see this. Yes. It's very yes. important. One thing I remember people have all the time is that when Flat Track Derby started, you know, Texas Roller Girls, people were literally traveling um, from our league to other leagues to teach them how to play the sport and teach them the rules. <laughs> the sharing of information is so important, important to the growth and yes. development and the longevity of this sport. And I think that's so important. Like, this is a great thing. And like, I would also love to see like leagues that have done really well with like maybe their finances through the pandemic. I would love to see them share tips. I would love to see leagues that have historically done really well with marketing. I would love to see them share their tips yeah. and their philosophies. I would just love to see more sharing of information in general, coaching, like how you set up events, especially the events. That's so important. I there know. are a lot of leagues who are yes. like, I don't know how you put on a good event. Um, like the thing Rose City shared a while back about like how to do a good web streamed event. I was like, yes, this is this is, this is important. Yes, I have to put that in the link section yes, too, yes. Um, because I think that'll be really useful as people bounce back. Like, yo, you want to put on a good web stream event where people can watch you on Twitch or pay, mm -hmm. you know, go through a paywall. Like, here it is. Yeah. I think I think I still have that link somewhere. I don't know. I'll reach out to somebody. <laughs> but <laughs> um, my next question about the coalition is. I know you said y'all are going to kind of review where everything stands annually. Mm -hmm. um, but ideally, how long would you like to see this structure exist? Are you like, oh, just until we get past, you know, the, the, the issues associated with the pandemic? Or are you looking to see this go on indefinitely? Yeah. Um, so I'll speak for myself personally, not as the, the president of CDG. Um, personally, I would love to see this be a model that persists after pandemic recovery is over. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm the kind of skater that as an athlete wants to skate with the toughest, most focused athletes all the time at the highest level. And I, I honestly believe that doing something like this where folks can play locally comfortably and live their lives and then sometimes come together to skate at that higher level is, is the sustainable model we need to move towards. Um, there are definitely, yeah, there's definitely some folks that maybe, could be a semi-pro or amateur like sports league. There are some leagues in that upper echelon. That is not the majority of roller derby athletes. Yeah. Um, even if I would love for that to be the case for me, it's just not. Um, but I want to compete at the highest level that I can push my body to. Um, so I think that this sort of a model where I can still give back to my derby community, to my home at Santa Cruz and say, hey, I love y'all. I want to support you. I want to skate with you sometimes. Maybe I even want to coach one of our more beginner level teams. But I also want to have a group of athletes where I'm not one of the top 10 folks only always. I want to get pushed. I want to get challenged. Um, being able to bring together those folks from a larger geographic area is a model that exists in many sports and is very successful. Um, mm -hmm. And I really believe that it can be a model that is successful for Derby as well. So um, from a CDG president side, um, I don't know where it's going to lead us. Um, one of the interesting things about how we have the leadership model set up is um, our board of directors is comprised of one representative from each league. And then we have three folks that are not representing any league, even though we might be members of the league. So myself and the two other authors um, are filling those spots right now. And the idea is that um, those 10 folks right now, if more leagues join, that number would increase, get to decide sort of the future and the structure of what's going on. So it's kind of nice where each league has someone speaking for them, but then there's three folks who are speaking for the, the whole area of like what the right. larger vision might be. Um, 
So where that takes us, I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping that folks love it and that they want to keep value in it. Um, but I, I think this first year is really critical. Um, if we can make it work and we can prove, uh, particularly the charter program works, I think the local program will persist. Um, particularly if, if Derby does come back with a vengeance with so many folks getting into roller skating and, and really wanting to be successful and, and convert maybe into Derby athletes from more jam skating or trail skating. Um, I think we'll have an influx of, of local athletes that are, are looking to play and not maybe commit thousands of dollars a year or hundreds and hundreds of additional hours to travel. Um, but then those folks that are, like we still want to have a place for them too. So this was, um, there was a skater back when I was in Garden State and I was running our new member program and she was going to quit the league. And I was really bummed because she was this awesome, uh, like marathon runner before Derby. And so she was really, she had great endurance. She was picking up skating really well. And she kind of reached out. She's like, "I, I have to quit. And we're like, wait, why? Like you're, you're doing so well. And our version of so well was not what she wanted. Like the version of so well at the league was, oh, you're on an accelerated path to the charter. And that's not what she wanted. She just wanted to kind of hang out and play EC level derby. She just wanted a recreational sport to complement her other athletic like loves. Yeah. And we don't make a lot of space for that. So in that mission statement, Lethal, that you were reading earlier, that that comment about um, like right level play that's what that's talking about where you find places for folks that are like hey i'm chasing the hydra that's that's my dream <laughs> and then folks that are like i just want to show up to a practice once a week or every other week and play six games over a four month period yeah and then take a break for the rest of the year and like hang out with my kids or my cat or travel the world or whatever yeah. so i this sort of model to me opens up a lot of those doors and I'm hoping that that's what we see over the rest of this year. Um, and that we, I, I, I think we'll definitely do a second year for sure. And I'm hoping that that keeps going. And that was a long answer. Sorry. No, 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 no. it's totally Please. fine. And <laughs> I think it speaks to something that a lot of people have seen and oh, yeah. it's good to have that affirmation that it's going on in other places because even before the pandemic, I remember that being a thing here where there were people who were in rec league or people who were not getting a lot of play time with their home teams who was just were very comfortable with where they were and their development. And they were good with not being on the charter team yeah. or they knew that it would take them some time to get on the charter team, but they still wanted to bout. And I think sometimes, especially whenever you have a leadership group, that's only so big and you have that one person who's in charge of those interleague games. And then you have that one person who's in charge of making the home team schedule those people who like want to maybe skate interleague or have more bouting opportunities with their home team, we kind of, I don't want to say we forget about them, but it's easy for that to get lost in the book I'm reading right now. They call it the whirlwind. It's like, mm-hmm. when, it's basically like your, your daily duties that distract you from the, the one-off things that like really need your attention, but you're so busy with the status quo and the business mm-hmm. schedule that it's hard to pay attention to that. And so sometimes you do need to stop and be like, hey, like, are we actually meeting these people's needs? You know, right. especially yeah. the sport where we're still in the place where people are paying dues, people are working jobs, you know, people are expected to devote time and money to this. Then it's like, yeah, you got to check in and be like, okay, is this what you want? Are you on the path to getting what you want? Yeah. Or are you kind of not feeling this and haven't had the opportunity to say that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like when you were saying, we're talking about by the skater for the skater, right? And are we serving 
the majority of skaters or are we just right. sometimes serving the loudest group of skaters yes. which tends to sometimes be the folks that have been around a while which tends to be the folks that are on the charter right yes. that happens that that's a real problem that a lot of leagues have and it's not malicious per se but like your intent doesn't always equal your impact and you need to really right. question that sometimes and, yeah. and make space for those folks because Who's going to be your charter five years from now? It's definitely not going to be the folks that you think are on your charter tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. When I when I was listening to the meeting, that gave me a lot of hope for that sole reason of of our home teams because I know a lot of people in our league, in the home teams, that they only play five games a year, mm-hmm. and that's for me personally, that is nothing near to enough. <laughs> at all and I know there's not enough for them either it's a short season that you always play the same people and it's a very small you know like not a lot of room for growth in that Mm -hmm. yeah especially since bounding experience helps you get better right you have five opportunities and you're one of the people who doesn't get a lot of playing time within those five opportunities right right how do you even grow to even get that sense of fulfillment and yes. advancement? Yes. Much less just meeting the need of like, hey, the year is long. Like, I want about more. Than more. Five right, times. right, right. Yeah. This gave me a lot of hope for for those folks that that yeah. want to play more or longer or you know whatever the situation may be. But it, it's it's a great model for 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 that also. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one of one of the big things for. My, my current league, Santa Cruz, is we had, even before the pandemic, we had a lot of challenges getting bouting opportunities for our B and C teams. We even had challenges sometimes with some of those folks taking a little bit of time off and not having enough folks, to skaters to staff those games to actually play. So having this sort of model where they know that they're playing yeah, kind of helps exactly. inspire those people. Like our, yeah. our C team that last year, I don't think was able to book a single game. The whole year. And we don't have home teams. So they didn't get to play at all. A right. single bout. And some of them had been in the league for years. And they're like, why are we doing this? Like, right. yeah, we, we give all this, yeah, all this money, all this time, all this heart. And we're like, we just get to like roll around in the warehouse, which is amazing. And we're very lucky to have a warehouse, but like they got some scrimmages. It's not the yeah. same, you know, and they're not any less athletes than the folks that are skating for your right. charter. They're bringing the work, they're paying the yeah. dues, they're doing everything that everybody it's else is doing and they're, yeah. they're not getting the amount of playtime mm-hmm. or whatever that the rest of uh, yep. yeah. y'all do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're just different levels of play. It shouldn't be more right. or less access to play. Ex- yes, yes. Thank you for putting the words. <laughs> I got you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Now, speaking of for the skater, by the skater, I want to talk about the role that the WFTDA played in helping this come to fruition. Oh, sure. Because I know there, like, even besides yourself, there were a few other people who worked closely with the WTDA on that call. Um, and they've done a few things, you know, besides just, you know, approving your permission to have that one charter team from the coalition. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like they've done a few things along the way to help make the, uh, bring this into existence. So talk a little bit about the role the WTDA has played and what you guys had to do to get them on board. Hey y'all, Bitch2 here. Sorry to interrupt, but as good as this conversation was, it was also a little bit long, which is saying a lot for our podcast. Unfortunately, we need to cut it here, but within a couple of days, we're going to bring you part two, which will pick up right here where we're leaving off, talking about the involvement of the WFTDA. We'll also talk about how the model of the coalition improves financial equity for members of the Derby community, how leagues can get their hands on valuable information to begin discussing what a coalition would look like in their areas, 
and how leaders can find the confidence needed to even begin discussing or implementing something like this with other members of the Derby community. So whatever platform you're on, make sure you subscribe to our channel or follow us or mark us as a favorite, whatever option you have, so you can be notified as soon as that episode becomes available. And if you're listening on Spotify, be sure to answer our survey and respond to our question too. So thanks for listening. I'm Bitch 2 and I'm out.